Hello, this is Christine Nancy with the AK-47 podcast. That's 47 selections from the works of Alexandra Kolontai. And today I have a special guest with me here, my 17-year-old daughter, who is going to be discussing the autobiography of a sexually emancipated communist woman, which I just finished reading in the last episode over, I believe it took me seven episodes to get through the entire book. So welcome back to the show. Hello, it's nice to be back. So I thought that um, one of the funny things that most people react to when they think about this piece of writing from Kolontai is the title. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think that's such a provocative title, given that this was written in 1926 and even today, right? What do you you get out of a title like that? So I think that usually um, that kind of it, it strikes me more as a subtitle than a title. The autobiography of a sexually emancipated communist woman, like, you, you have a title, and that's how you describe the book, aside from the title. But the fact that she has made that her title, like, that is just what she puts on the very front cover. She's, call, she's really calling attention to the fact that a communist woman who is sexually emancipated, she's writing an autobiography. So I think that that's not aggressive, but... It's almost an act, it's, it's an act of defiance. Yes. In yeah, itself, exactly. yeah. right? It's like she's saying that not only is she com- she a communist, she's also sexually emancipated, and that the sexual emancipation comes before the communist. It's an interesting choice of a title because, on the one hand, obviously she was a communist, and so... And she was sexually emancipated. And she was sexually emancipated. And she talks about both of those things to a certain extent in the book, and so... It's very slender, and obviously this is supposed to represent her entire life up to 1926. In in what, 50 pages? Yeah, it's really short. It's Yeah, Yeah. and so that raises a lot of questions about how can you condense a life into 50 pages? Right. What do you, you must leave something out, and what does she leave out? Well, she leaves a lot of things out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting... It's an exercise in sort of saying, okay, so let, let's think about this. In 1926, Alexander Kolontai was born in 1972. In 1922, she was 50. And in 1926, she's 54. So at the time, that's very old. For at the time, that's pretty old. Yeah, 54. I mean, and she's... the fact that she's publishing this and saying that she's sexually emancipated <laughs> as a 52-year-old woman, that, that adds a whole other layer. And the fact that both of her lovers... So she was married, obviously, uh-huh. she had when yeah. she was very young. But then both of her important lovers, you know, and her, her second husband and, and this lover that she had when she was in Paris, I think, I can't remember, I think one is 11 years younger than she is and the other one is like 16 or 13 or 16 years. He's a lot younger than she is. Wow. So in some ways, she's kind of like the original cougar. So the other thing that's really interesting about this, obviously, is that you know, she is 54, she's writing this in 1926, and she's sort of expecting young people in Russia at this time mm-hmm. to read it, right? Yeah. Especially, like, your age. She's yeah. kind of, She's kind of, like, addressing this text to young people. Uh-huh. So, you know, what... Encouraging you... other women to be communist and sexually emancipated. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, do you think she's... Is this a good message for a middle-aged woman to be passing on to... Russia's I mean, youth or anybody's youth? I mean, or or is the message less valuable because it's coming from somebody of a different generation? Or is it more valuable because it's coming from somebody of a different generation in a position of power? I think that 
it, but that depends on the message. Mm-hmm. I think that for, for messages that are like, you meddling kids, you silly, you know, like the, the typical charges from older generations are to like be less crazy and wild. And it seems like this, just by putting in the title sexually emancipated, she seems to be calling forth to the future generations. Because especially at the time, it was like the dawn of the U- the Soviet Union. It mm-hmm. was like the, everything, they were enacting all of these super liberal policies and everything was looking up. And, you know, the ravages of World War II hadn't happened yet. Stalin hadn't come to power yet. It's like a lot of things that could have happened that were really good. So the fact that she's writing this and she's hoping that the youth will read it is not unexpected for the time period that she's in because things are changing and she can write about some things that completely contradict society as it is Mm -hmm. because I don't know many other women or even society at the time I'm not super familiar with Russian culture at that time but I don't think that they would they would definitely have balked at the title at the very least oh yeah so the (laughs) fact that she's writing it and she's hoping that people will read it means that, and the fact that she got it published? I mean, it was heavily censored, right? And this version that I read, it includes a lot of the bits that were censored out. And so it's, you know, when you go to the back, you can see that the censors really did dig in and and try to prevent her from saying some of the more radical things that she said, especially about her love life and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the men that she's fallen in love with and the time that she wasted on the heartbreaks and things like that. And sometimes she had just corrected herself. You know, her own edits are in there. But yeah, I mean, it is interesting. It seems to me that what you just said was that most older people, uh-huh. when they speak to the young, they tend to try to tell the young to behave Yeah, exactly. in a certain way. Like, exactly. do, don't be crazy. Like, look, think about your future. Don't do anything too rash. And that Kolontai is almost saying the opposite, right? Which is if we're actually going to change the world, we have to start with the young people. And so she's actually exactly. encouraging them to be... Crazy. Crazy. A little bit irresponsible. Yeah. Doing things differently. Like rejecting the because norms of their elders. She's been doing this crazy things for so long. And now she's a, the Russian, she's the Soviet diplomat. And yeah. she's very, she's in a very high position of power. So obviously it worked, whatever she was doing. <laughs> so the fact that she's kind of giving advice and telling them about her life and things like that, it provides a little bit of like context and like background for something that, um, for a person, herself, that a lot of people might have looked up to. Right. Especially so, young women. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So if you, you think that, like, if you were a young woman, let's say you were, like, 17 in 1926, and you get a hold of Alexandra Kolontai's autobiography of a sexually emancipated communist woman. I mean, do you think that it it had the ability to inspire you? I don't know. I, it's, kind of, I mean, that, I, I think so. I mean, it depends on the person, obviously, but I think that it might... My, the image that comes to mind is, you know, these um, friend groups or little, like, covenants of, of girls passing along their one tattered copy. Right. And, and sort of, it's it's kind of like, it's an, empower, an empowering book at a time where women were marginalized so much. And, I mean, Kolontai herself is responding to, like, the culture of, like, you know, arranged marriages and, and lack of love. And so the fact that she's talking about all the time she wasted on heartbreak and all of the men that she's fallen in love with, like, it's... It's sort of like a real-life romance novel, which probably wasn't very common back then. And also, it's like, it's inspiring. It's something that... So I definitely think that, I mean, if I were living in her time... Right. But what about, like, now? Let's just say, like, let's just 
let's just imagine that like Elizabeth Warren comes out with a 50 page autobiography of a sexually emancipated anti-capitalist woman or I don't know she uh-huh. some title okay. like that right and it's like Elizabeth Warren right I mean now okay she's 70 so she's a little bit older but you know 54 but 54 was 70, 70. yeah time. exactly so Elizabeth Warren was sort of talking about like when she was young and all the kind of guys that she was with and and then oh and by the way I have these really cool policy recommendations I mean do you think that people would be inspired by that yeah, I think so. I mean... Because didn't she, like, fail by trying to drink, like, a beer in her kitchen? She did, yeah. She tried to seem cool. And the thing is that, I mean, to, to the extent that, like, it seemed very fake and very mm. orchestrated, whereas if she, I mean, if she wrote a book about, like, her heartbreaks and stuff like that, then that's something that it might make her a lot more relatable. Uh. Um, hashtag relatable. But <laughs> it, seriously, like, it would make... Yeah, it would make her a lot more real and kind of genuine. And that would definitely draw in younger crowds. But the problem is that she relies a lot more, because of our sprawling democracy and the politics that are ingrained in every single action that Elizabeth Warren does, I don't know if it, it, it would work to get, it might work to get younger votes, especially female votes, but I'm not sure about older votes <laughs> right so, <laughs> so the, whereas her fellow uh, baby point, her fellow baby boomers would probably be horrified exactly <laughs> at this point colin ty is already pretty established and she's being essentially sort of being exiled exactly. right she's being sent away i mean in a good position she's not being killed or anything like that no, but, she but she is she being sent away she's kind of she's reached the peak of her power yeah whereas i mean if elizabeth warren became president and then did it yeah. i'd be fine <laughs> I think that it would be okay. She might right. not get reelected, but... Right, right. I mean, she does. Kolontai ends this by saying, No matter what further tasks I shall be carrying out, it is perfectly clear to me that the complete liberation of the working woman and the creation of the foundation of a new sexual morality will always remain the highest aim of my activity and of my life. Yeah. So, and she's taking, like, communism and... and change the changing political climate and applying it directly to women's lives to like sort of like she thinks about her policies and she's like okay how will this affect people and how will this affect um women you know, women especially like in the most personal level right and so the fact that she's talking about her sex life yeah makes sense right because she's saying that this we are transforming society from the top to the bottom exactly. and that this bottom part like this intimate part is just as important exactly it's interesting, yeah. I mean, it does seem to me that we want our politicians to be real, but not that real. Yeah. And like, I, mean, I really don't want to hear about President Trump's sex life. <laughs> we already have. Yeah, I Yikes. Yeah. Stormy Daniels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think that it's it's also just like life times that the times have changed so much so that it's hard to like talk about because obviously, I mean, ever since, you know, the 60s when, you know, the presidential debates were broadcast on live television it ever since it's president the presidency has basically just been a popularity contest yeah it's about optics and it's about you know how good you look and how powerful you seem like i feel i still think that trump trump was deemed the winner of many of the presidential de- debates against hillary because he's bigger and he's more he seems more powerful even though he's like this weirdly shaped like ugly like carrot head guy <laughs> he's like He's just, he's a man and he has that like swagger mm. and it's, it's really, I mean, it's like, 
upsetting. And I think that that's just something that Colin Hyde didn't have to deal with. Well, as, mu- she, as much. Right. They didn't have television. Exactly. That's right. But she still, I mean, she got criticized for all sorts of things because of her clothes, because they thought she dressed too well to be a Bolshevik, because, you know, she had... She dressed too well to be... Yeah, she did. She had these, you know, fairly fancy clothes. And especially yeah. after she became an ambassador, she had to dress appropriately for her rank, which meant that she had furs and fashionable dresses and, like... Mm-hmm. People in the Soviet Union really thought that that was a problem, and and she talks about in her in, in yes. the book she talks about how everybody hated her. Oh yeah, how widespread, and so that's like it's sort of yeah. It's, it's like exactly the attacks against AOC. Exactly, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it hasn't changed. So I mean, do you think that like being attacked, like trolled, like that hard prevents young women from going into politics? There are now at least more women in positions of power so that there's sort of already uh, an established kind of group for women to protect each other. And so, although it is really hard, like, social media-wise, I mean, obviously I don't have any experience with but it, se- with it, but it seems to me that it's not as bad as it could be. I don't know, you know, having been on the receiving end of some pretty major trolling, yeah. it was awful. Yeah. It was really awful. But the thing is that most of the time it's, it's not, like, real. It's, it's superficial. Awful, but it's yeah. very superficial. And, the thing, I mean, we have these, like, Twitter mobs and things like that. It hinders politics, but it's also a part of politics. Yeah. I don't know. I have to say that, you know, reading this book after having myself been kind of attacked, it actually sort of made me feel better to know that... Mm-hmm. Like back in 1920, they were trolling Colin Tide. The same thing was happening that anytime women say anything that the politicians or the public doesn't like, they attack you, mm-hmm. not on necessarily what you say or believe, but because as a person, it's totally ad hominem attack. Yes. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I think I can imagine that it does shut a lot of people up, but it also might inspire people to speak up more yeah. because. You know, sometimes the exactly. trolling can actually bring attention to your message yes. in a way that if nobody paid attention to it at all, the message wouldn't be as powerful. Yeah, like I, I saw something recently. I read um, an article about how there are all of these. I'm not sure if you, you do you remember the Gillette commercial about with the men where it was like encouraging men to be better and not. Yes. Yeah, people. that's right. And similarly, the Nike commercial where mm-hmm. they where they featured Colin Kaepernick. Basically, what the article that I read was arguing was that companies put out these controversial messages so that, because they know that droves of people on Twitter and whatever, Instagram, will post conservatives, will post, like, boycott Nike, boycott Gillette. And so all of these people, like, not conservative people, will look at it and be like, why should we boycott Gillette? Yeah. And then... Because they know that, like, because... Mm. So basically they in- intentionally incite controversy because it has the effect of getting them free publicity. So basically all of these people who are, like, boycott Gillette ended up well, allowing Gillette's sales to go through the roof. Right. Same with Nike. Right. So it's, like, a strategy. And so that's, like like you said, like, these controversial messages, messages, in some ways, the fact that Twitter mobs circle around female politicians, it kind of makes them bigger names. Like, a lot of people know who AOC is, where they probably wouldn't if she weren't so controversial. I don't know any other Congress. I don't even know what position she has. <laughs> I just know that she's really important because everybody hates her. And so, like, I don't even know. I think she's a Congresswoman? Yeah, she's a Congresswoman. Yeah, yeah. like... I, the youngest Congresswoman. Yeah, she's the youngest Congresswoman. Yeah. And she's, like, a 
social de- democratic socialist. Yeah. And she endorsed Bernie. But, like, I mean, that's not what's important about her. Mm. Like, mo- mo- if you asked, you know, every high school student in my school if they knew who she was and if they knew what position she has, they would probably, most people would say yes, they knew who she is, but they don't know what she does. <laughs> she's insta-famous. Exactly. Yeah. She's, she's famous for being um, disliked. So sometimes the haters are... I mean, maybe that's what Colin Ty is, is trying to get us to see with her yeah. title. It's yeah, like, exactly. You know, yeah, I am a sexually emancipated communist woman. Suck and it. And you know what that's <laughs> going to do? That's going to make you pick up my book and read what I have to say. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. So maybe it's like the original clickbait title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I don't feel so Just bad clickbait. about my title. Yeah. No, because, I mean, same thing. Exactly. <laughs> It's just clickbait. Uh, why women have better sex under socialism. It's not so far from the autobi- no. autobiography of a sexually emancipated communist woman. Clickbait. Clickbait. Anyway, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for being on my show. Thank you for having me. And it's always delightful to have these conversations yes. with you because <laughs> <laughs> I, sometimes I sit here by myself and I'm reading Kolontai into this microphone and I think, why am I doing this? Nobody cares about Alexandra Kolontai. So it's always nice to talk to you and like, have a conversation and actually make convince myself that nobody cares yet nobody cares yet some people care some people care yeah and that's why you have listeners hello hello <laughs> and thank you very very much for listening yeah <laughs>